Good morning, Delaware. It's a kind of a crummy morning, but I'm sure we can have some fun with it this morning anyway. Right, Nicole? Always. It's never (laughs) not a fun morning with us. Well, this has to be a fun week anyway, because I have to say, and I just found this out yesterday, so I I apologize for not mentioning it at the Friends of the Library board meeting on Wednesday, but this is National Friends of the Library Week, October 17th to October 23rd, so declared by the United for Libraries, which is the Association of Library Trustees, Advocates, Friends, and Foundations, which is part of the American Library Association. So big congratulations and big thank you to our Friends of the Library who are the sponsors of this show and sponsors of much that we do at the library. So thank you, Karen, Linda, Penny, everybody else on the board of the the Friends of the Library. Uh, You you do great work for us. Thanks. Our guest today is Pam Taylor. Good morning, Pam. Good morning. Pam is the newly appointed branch manager for our Delaware Library, uh, but not a new face for the Delaware County District Library at all. Right, Pam? Well, about 27 years. <laughs> 27 years young. Yes. No, exactly. Brings, still brings that youthful enthusiasm to the job. So we're going to talk a little bit about what being the branch manager at the Delaware Library means and some of the things Pam's been doing for the library over that uh, that long stretch. So uh, anyway, Nicole, what have you been listening to? I have a book of uh, short stories that I've been listening to, which is not usually something that I gravitate toward. But I will say that um, as I've listened to more audiobooks and as I'm listening to this audiobook of short stories, it feels very kind of podcasty, which is also right up my alley. <laughs> Each short story is anywhere from 15 or 30 minutes to maybe an hour and a half. So that it's very easy to consume um, a book of short stories on audiobook. This one in particular is called Festival Days, and it's by Joanne Beard. Uh, she also wrote um, the Boys of My Youth, and she wrote another book of short stories called In Zanesville. I don't know if you know of Zanesville, Ohio, um, but it's kind of, you know, small town America. The Wide Bridge. Yes. That's what I know about Zanesville. Well, and Zanesville is right around the corner from where I grew up and kind of right around the corner from Columbus here, too. But apparently there are at least six different Zanesvilles all across America. That's amazing. And they all kind of are that hometown-y feel. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, so she wrote In Zanesville. I was very curious about that one. Festival Days is a collection of um, stories that really focus on um, a lot of a lot of different. I don't know. I'll tell you a couple short stories and then you can kind of decide how you feel like they tie together. So one of the first ones that we learn about is a woman named Cindy. And Cindy, it's told from her perspective, she's getting ready to um, actually die. She is um, nearing the end of a progressive uh, disease that she has, and she is discontinuing treatments, and she's getting ready to um, see kind of what her life looks like as she finishes up treatments. Um, She's saying goodbye to friends and family, all of those sorts of things. And then... um, Everything's just kind of stalling. So she decides to take matters into her own hands. It's the early 1990s, and she calls a doctor who will help her with her um, death to speed it along named Dr. Kevorkian. (laughs) It's a very interesting story. It actually... I wrote my senior thesis on this. It makes him very human and the things that he's doing, (laughs) or humane, um, if you will. Um, So that's Cindy's story. Uh, There's another person who we meet, uh, totally unrelated. Just every collection is a different person. Uh, His name is Werner. And Werner is um, living in his apartment building um, when he uh, realizes that he smells something a little funny, 
Um, he's starting to cough. They're starting to uh, be some smoke in his apartment. And he's on like the 10th floor. Um, and he is realizing that his apartment building is on fire. He needs to get out of his apartment building um, and also kind of realizing that he's nearing what could potentially be the end. And as he is thinking back, reflecting back on all the things that he you know, could have, should have, would have, um, realizing that, oh my gosh, if I need to get out of here, I need to you know, go out the door and down the stairs. Can I make that happen? No, I can't make that happen. Can I save my cat? I don't know. Um, he finally makes a very uh, difficult decision um, to either save his life or very quickly end his life but i won't spoil it (laughs) (laughs) and the decision um like i said could go one way or the other it could be the bravest thing he's ever done or the stupidest thing he's ever done and uh, that is werner i will say that this book is read by uh suhaila el atar and it is magnificent um i at first was being a little picky with her reading style and i thought that her the characters felt a little flat Um, But I will tell you that I have not felt more emotionally involved uh, with a audiobook reader as I have with Suhaila. Um, There's she doesn't while she doesn't change the um, tone of her voice with different characters. She changes her pace. So as characters are feeling more anxious, she speeds up and reads really, really fast. And you feel that anxiety. She does a phenomenal job. So that is called Festival Days by Joanne Beard. And uh, I would recommend either audio or um, physical book. Sounds great. So Pam, I know you're a voracious reader, so what have you been reading recently? Well, the latest thing I'm reading is um, A Short History of Nearly Everything. I've seen that book. It looks really interesting. And it's an old one. Um, Doing it for our book group and only Bill Bryson can make geology, the Big Bang, Mm -hmm. all of that. Uh, he throws in humor. He's he hilarious. Throws, I mean, it just keeps rolling. So mm-hmm. it's wonderful. But for pleasure, uh, I just finished a new book by Richard Chismar called Chasing the Boogeyman. And I wasn't sure what to expect because Richard has um, worked with Stephen King before on books. So I thought it would just be basic horror. But what it really is is a mashup of Richard Chismar, the author, putting the young Richard Chismar, the author, in a novel that takes the shape of a true crime story, and he's actually involved in solving it. So it's really fun. Uh, give, it a, give it a look if you get a chance. Tell me again the title. Chasing the Boogeyman. Chasing the Boogeyman. Okay, great. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I read a book this week that just simply blew me away. It is so good, and I so unexpectedly good. This is one I picked up as an advanced reader's copy back in the spring out of the library. Stuck it on top of my TBR file and then basically forgot about it as was, one is want to do <laughs> i was cleaning the, the the study in our office and at home and i saw oh there's that book i picked up it looked really good now i think i'll take a time to read it and is it actually released now it is out now we have it it was released in august okay uh we have copies of it both in audio and in physical book it is called mrs march and it was written by a woman named Virginia Feito, F-E-I-T-O. So I may be pronouncing it wrong. It might be Fido or Fiaido. I don't know how to pronounce it. But this is her first novel. She's a native of Spain. She was educated in London. She now lives in Madrid. And how she manages to capture the essence of a, an upper-middle-class family in Manhattan is <laughs> a wonder. It, 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 um, she, she did study uh, English in London. That was She was um, uh, 
an English major, so her English is impeccable. There's no problem with that, but it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't read like it's in translation or anything. So Mrs. March, um, and her, she's always referred to as Mrs. March in hmm. the book. I, I don't think they even use pronouns. I think she's always just Mrs. March. Like Mary Poppins. Exactly, yes. <laughs> she's proud to be the wife of George March, who is um, a, a best-selling novelist, and um, they've sort of grown apart. She's they're kind of living their lives, but kind of in a rut. And she's um, she hasn't actually read his latest novel, which is a huge hit, a huge hit. Everybody's reading it. And Mrs. March is about as tightly wound as a Swiss watch, and she lives a very regimented, regulated life, uh, very much all on the surface, all about appearances and 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 how people will think of her and everything. And she goes to the patisserie where she always goes to buy her olive bread, and, and it's always the olive bread. And she walks in, and the clerk in the patisserie says, starts talking about the novel, and she kind of makes small talk about it without obviously admitting she hasn't read it. And she says, it must be really an honor to have the main character, Johanna, based on you. <laughs> and she says, but but isn't Johanna... Well, I better not say it here on the radio, <laughs> but it's she's not a very likable character, and she's really kind of dis, a, a despicable character, and uh, her world collapses. Everything she had built her life on collapses, and that's the first chapter. Aww. So I'm not tell, I'm not doing any spoilers here. <laughs> the book is about how she crumbles over a period of time. There's a mystery involved that is secondary to the. Excuse me. That oh, hello. Second, it's probably Michael Butler. He usually calls me. <laughs> Michael. Anyway, uh, sorry about that. Um, I usually turn my phone off before we come on the air. Anyway, uh, the, the, the novel's about how she collapses, and this mystery that is involved is sort of secondary to the plot, but it does add an interesting side story. This reads like Hitchcock, okay? It really reads like a, a Hitchcock novel brought or movie brought to life. And so... And, and I, I, as I was reading, I think this is really cinematically written. And I found out after I started, mm. you know, after I read the book and then went to do the research for the show, Elizabeth Moss of The Handmaid's Tale yeah. and Mad Men yeah. has already bought the rights to <gasps> oh. play Mrs. March. Oh, nice. Yeah, it should be wonderful because Mrs. March, it's, like I said, it's all about the surfaces. She, she has this eight-year-old son who she barely connects with. Uh, she basically had the the eight year old son because George had a previous wife and they had a daughter and he, he she wanted to make sure that uh, he had a a child with her so that they you know they would have and that was basically the 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 vehicle just to keep them together mm-hmm. and George is very sketchily described in here you never really know what he looks like except that he has a beard <laughs> uh, and so. Uh, the other th- interesting thing about this novel is you don't really know when it's set. It, it, there's it, it's set in New York. It's post-war because there's television. They never mention cell phones. They never mention you know brands of cars or brands of products or anything. And so you, you can't. Really, it could have been set any time from the fifties to today, uh, and, and you, you just don't know. They do refer to an open plane ticket, and I don't think they sell those anymore. So, uh, which used to be, you know, you could buy a ticket to go somewhere and just use it anytime. So it yeah. might have, it might have been set in the '60s or '70s, but you, you don't really know. <laughs> it's it's fascinating. So anyway, it's called Mrs. March. It's by uh, Virginia Fado. As I noted, it's available both in an audiobook and in paper from the library. And I think uh, if you like mysteries, uh, if you like character studies, 
you're going to love this. And if you like Elizabeth Moss as an actress, read this before you see the movie when it's finally produced. So, because mm-hmm. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So, we'll be back in just a moment with Pam Taylor and Nicole Falls and Gage Tellus behind the board. So, stay tuned. That's, that's our man, Gage Tellus behind the board. And we are here with Nicole Falls and Pam Taylor. Good morning again. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So, Pam, uh, you're recently promoted. We did some reorganization mm-hmm. at the, the main library and We've never had a branch manager for the Delaware Library like we do for Orange and like we're going to have at the new Liberty Library out on Holman Stites Roads. We wanted to get things organized a little differently, so we promoted the person who is best fitted for the job, you. Hooray! So congratulations, and let, let's talk a little bit about what that job entails. So as a branch manager, what sort of things will you be responsible for? Well, I'm going to be overseeing uh, three assistant or I'm sorry two assistant managers and a supervisor um, we have adult services uh, youth services and um, circulation now in the past everyone's gotten along well together but we've never really had anyone directly over all of these public services to bring them together more as a team mm-hmm. so that's where I see uh, myself being we thought for years we don't need a branch manager there because we had so much administration mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, but that was back when we had maybe 30 or 40 employees and it's a much different world so mm-hmm. to bring us in line with the rest of the system and to make sure that we're sharing everything we should be with the other libraries um here I am, and I'm really happy about it. And so is the rest of the staff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I tell you what, Pam came upstairs, and um, she went to our facilities manager's office and said, is there anything that I could take off of your plate that you've been doing? And I think I heard cackling all the way down the hall <laughs> from the facilities manager, like, oh, there are things. <laughs> uh, the, e- the evil smile was, really scared me. <laughs> yeah. and Julie's I'm, good at that. Yeah, yeah. and I had even done some kind of reorganization within my communications department i was like oh this would be a good job for pam <laughs> <laughs> this is a job for super pam <laughs> well it's it's just so great for me because i remember the first time i walked into the delaware county district library which was the old carnegie building in probably the early 70s because i had outgrown my home library in ashley and I remember a librarian showed me how to use the card catalog and how to use the reader's guide to periodicals for all (laughs) you really old timers out there. (laughs) And I realized that now I didn't have to ask for help anymore to find what I needed. And it was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew I would end up back there someday. (laughs) Well, that's great. Mm -hmm. And now, like like you said, you've been with the library for a while. Mm -hmm. Before you were doing this, you're the cir- circulation uh, manager on, in, in the system. So, right. um, and but I think also what's really interesting is you order fiction for the library. I do. And I know I go into your office frequently <laughs> and see stacks of, of <laughs> advanced reader copies and uh, review journals. And so so give us some idea of what the scale of that is. What, what kind of things, uh, how many books do you buy, for example, in, in, in a year? How many do you recommend in a year? Oh, I would say for buying, um, it's usually around between somewhere between two and three hundred new titles in fiction a month. Okay, oh, goodness, so. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot of writing. 
As Ecclesiastes says, there is no end to the making of books. (laughs) And it's a lot of reading. And Mm -hmm. I figure maybe 150 to 200 pages of reviews a month. Mm. But a lot of those are redundant. So Mm -hmm. it's not like I have to read every page. Right, yeah. It just is remarkable to me every day that someone would pay me to spend money on books. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, we, you know, they don't just get on the shelves themselves. And I think that's something a lot of people don't realize is, you know, there is a process involved in us ordering materials. And it starts with people reading reviews, uh, both in fiction and then in our nonfiction and juvenile collections and videos and and everything else. Uh, It's so talk about some of the the ways you, you find out about new books. Well, honestly, probably more from reviews than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, but we also have a wonderful database that we order from, Baker and Taylor, mm-hmm. and there are jobbers, and they also produce lists for us of what is big and what's coming up. Um, try to keep an eye on what's maybe not new, but being made into a movie or being made in, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. with Netflix and all that. You have to keep an eye on the old stuff too, because you never know what's going to pop up and be next month's big hit on television and then people are going to want to read the book yeah dune is back for example after you know it was published back in the 60s it was made into movies i think in the 80s and now it's back as another movie and so in that case the publishers are re-releasing books with the new cover things like that but then it's also our opportunity to make sure that we just don't have one copy on our shelves Mm -hmm. right so uh so what are some of the review journals and, and places that you see reviews besides the, the things that come from Baker and Taylor? Um, I Every month I look at Kirkus. I look at Library Journal. I look at um, Publishers Weekly Book List. Um, any other I can't think of any of the other. Those are, those are the major things. sources that I think we use in mm-hmm. public libraries. There's some others that are for like for academic libraries that we mm-hmm. wouldn't really choose from. And then, of course, we have to watch the New York Times bestseller list because there's a lot of people who who, who read the New York Times mm-hmm. and see that list and or the multiple lists that they do now. And mm-hmm. I, I used to have a, a patron when I worked in Charleston, South Carolina, who used to just snip out the New York Times book uh, <laughs> bestseller list and just check off the ones he wanted us to order. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, and of course, patrons, I think, do have a lot of influence over the things that we have in our collection as well. It would There would be a lot of things that make sense for our neck of the woods, but not some library in Minnesota, like all of our OSU collection or our local authors or things like that. And we try to be really responsive to the requests we get, too. I mean, even if it's just one person asking for a book, if I can look it up, if I can find it, if it's been reasonably reviewed, we're going to purchase that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's always good because then we know at least one person wants to read it. That's so. right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, usually if, if, if one person tells us about it, other people are going to be interested right. as well. Absolutely. And we do also take a lot of books for by local authors. Mm-hmm. We have some people who donate their materials, other people who we, we actually go out and, and buy them when, when they, they're published. Uh, we've, uh, as we, Next week, we're going to have three local authors right at Ill-Mannered Brewery uh, with the Friends of the Library. That, By the way, that event was sold out officially, but we've found a few extra tickets that we can release. So if you go back to the website, you may be able to buy a ticket for that. There's a wait list, right? There, there was a wait list okay. sort of going. Uh, and uh, it, it'll all depend if with the weather's halfway decent, we can go out on the patio, we can take in walk-ins. Oh, that'd but, be great. Uh, yeah, it'll all depend on the weather, though. So and, All right, let's and, cross our fingers. Sure it's it's going to be considerably warm enough or, or not not damp or anything. So. Not this 45-degree thing uh, with, uh, no, with I, misty rain. No, mm-hmm. you don't want to be out in misty rain with books anyway. Ooh, no. no. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, now with the, the your new responsibilities, um, 
you've, you'll be having uh, our adult services, assistant branch manager for adult services, Wendy, right. and assistant branch manager for youth services, Andy, and then our CERC supervisor, Lori, will be reporting directly to you. Right. So basically, that's the pub- all the public service functions in the library. It is, so, yeah. Uh, and, and that's very similar to the way we have Orange set up and the way we'll, we'll, we'll do Liberty when we start hiring for that next year. So uh, I think it's, it's really great to have one person who's kind of overseeing that and making sure that the, the customer service continues to be good. And, uh, and, and again, that also just how does the place look? You know, uh, I know that Julie, our, our facilities manager, in fact, we're meeting later today, she's come up with a checklist for branch managers to, to you know, what do you got to look for each day, each week, each month to make sure that we're keeping the facility up to snuff. Love that. So, yeah, checklists, great, great things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's why that's why so many planes don't crash is because they go through a checklist before each flight. That's <laughs> so a good thing. It is a good thing. So, But anyway, Pam, thank you very much for being willing to take on the new responsibility. Uh, and... Uh, I, I appreciate your uh, your attitude towards this and and your selections on the fiction lot side and everything. So thank you and thank you for being here. I know this radio is not your preferred medium. Uh, talking do, face do to face to is your prime one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I believe that Nicole owes some money. I did. Uh, <laughs> Nicole and I had a bet going whether or not we could ever get Pam to be on the show. So <laughs> I got to pay up. <laughs> so and I did not tell her. You know, it's either you don't get the job or you come on the radio. That was not the that was. Not not the deal. So, <laughs> no, I already had the job. <laughs> well, thank you for letting me be here. And if you don't mind, just one quick plug for my book group, which oh, is sure. uh, on the fourth Tuesday of every month, and we'll meet at the main library at one p.m. And what book are you doing right now? Right now, we're doing a short history. Of oh, that's right, the Bill Bryson book. Yes, but the next one will be uh, Census by Jesse Ball. Great. All right. Well, thank you. And speaking of plugs, we got a few things coming up at the library this week. Tomorrow, we've got the Mill Creek Cemetery Walk that Harla Lawson from the Ostrander Branch will be leading. That's it from 2 to 4 o'clock. You'll learn more about the history of Scioto Township through the lives of the people from the past in this walking tour of the cemetery. Yeah, this wraps up her um, month of Scioto Fest, which is very exciting. It we've is. We've still got to get her on because I still want to hear a lot of these stories. I just, the, the, um, driving tour she did mm-hmm. of Scioto Township is fascinating. Yeah, I liked that one a lot. So. The other neat thing coming up this week is um, as we close out Friends of the Library Week, we roll into National Media Literacy Week. Mm-hmm. And so in order to celebrate that on October 26th at 6 p.m. in person at the Delaware Main Library, we are having a, midi- a media literacy workshop. Um, it's designed for teens and adults to come and to learn how to be um, more savvy consumers of news, really to help um, figure out what what is what is news and what isn't news. Um, it's going to be led by Shannon, and it's going to be done very well. Great for teens and adults. That sounds like a great program. Uh, we also have a couple of uh, maker annex. Or <laughs> I'm still referring studio. to studio. Sorry, yeah. maker studio <laughs> programs coming up this week. Uh, the Vector Design Basics class is full, so uh, that was a registered event, and it's already full. But on uh, Wednesday at 5.30, we have an intermediate 3D design class mm-hmm. uh, to, to enhance your skills beyond what you learned in the basic 3D class. 
I, and this is a good time to mention what we're going to be doing with the Maker Studio it, beginning in January. Yeah, we've got some things cooking with the Maker Studio that are going to be really exciting uh, in the coming year. We are going to be moving away from a model where it has been kind of you submit your projects, we create it for you, which worked beautifully during the pandemic when um, you know we were open, we were closed and in and out. But now we're moving toward a model where we really want you to be in charge of your projects and um, to, for you to have the power and the ability to do it all yourself. Um, so in January, we're going to transition to that model, but we'll have a passport and that passport will be really exciting. You'll see that rolled out in January um, for how you can become a maker master. I love that idea. I, I just, the whole idea of being putting the tools in the hands of people so they can make their own great stuff in there. Yeah. I think the creativity will blossom. We've got a couple tracks that you can go down. Um, it really all starts with the tour and then learning the different programs. Um, you can just follow one track, you know, vector design. You can follow another track, 3D design, um, or you can, you know, finish the whole passport. Mm -hmm. And it, and that those classes will be taught by library staff and we do have some great equipment and expensive equipment that you probably wouldn't want to buy yourself. Right. So this would be a great chance for you to, to, to use that equipment and put it put it to good use for the whole community. Exactly. So, great. So, uh, and then the the I think I've already mentioned the uh, event coming up Tuesday night with the or, I'm sorry Monday night with the the authors again. I can't thank the friends and I can't thank the three authors enough for all the uh, time that they're contributing to that. And also, this was our first week of doing. Uh, inside story times, mm -hmm. and it seemed to work really well. I was at the one at Will uh, at Willis mm -hmm. uh, yesterday, and it was so good to see the kids. Uh, and uh, Miss Annie did a great job with those kids. There were there were about forty people. Mm -hmm. It was a really nice turnout, and uh, I'm I'm just so thankful to uh, Delaware City Schools for the use of Willis, to the folks in Powell for the use of the municipal building, and to Ohio Health for the use of the chiller for our, our uh, orange programs. So, And, of course, Ostranders are still in, in the Ostrander Library. So, anyway, check out our events page, and you can see all of the things that are happening uh, and where they're happening. It's uh, DelawareLibrary.org slash events. You got it. And uh, see, sometimes sometimes I, my memory actually works. It's there. It's extra coffee this morning, I think it was. So, <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Nicole. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Pam. And thank you, Gage, for all of your help. My and pleasure. We will see you in the stacks.